You're listening to a Make Mom Proud Project. delve deeper into this second trans middle school boy puberty I am currently experiencing, I am naturally thinking a lot about Luke Skywalker. Okay, I'm always thinking a lot about Luke Skywalker. But I was re-watching A New Hope this afternoon, and I was struck again at how hard that movie speaks to the sort of ultimate adolescent fantasy of just wanting to get out, of how long and smothering the concept of next year can feel. Next year you can leave. Next year you can join your friends. Next year you can be yourself. I remember so vividly being told as a middle schooler at a school dance, you and your friends are going to do so well in college. It felt like this adult apology for how hard our remaining years in the Tatooine-like climate of public school in Decula, Georgia were going to be for us uh, creative types. To be fair, I think all sorts of teenagers can relate to Luke Skywalker's desire to get out of the desert of our hometowns, but I think there's something especially potent for those of us who were led to believe that there were truly other worlds out there just for us, for those of us for, again, for any myriad of reasons who didn't fit in. Because Luke Skywalker is kind of a dweeb, right? Like, I know he's a perfect, ultimate, beautiful hero, but he's also a huge dork. And let me be clear, he is my favorite of all Star Wars characters, but he's kind of whiny and awkward and we watch him play with toys. And like, not all dorks are gay, obviously, and not all gay people are dorks, but I'm a gay dork, so Luke Skywalker means a lot to me. And I hope he means a lot to you too. And I hope you got out. Star Wars Made Me Gay, Episode 1. I am Daniel Hurd. Our guest this this fine, lovely Star Wars-y evening for our very first official episode is drag queen, celebrity illusionist, MC, live vocalist, and comedian. Delighted to be here. Delighted. How are you doing today? I am living the dream. This is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. What is living the dream? What is the dream to you right now? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that I say that even to the 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 bag person at the like the bagger at the Publix. You know, it's like how, how are you? I, I'm living the dream. I don't know whose dream I'm living, but it's a dream. I'm sure for somebody. I, I think it's important to recognize that even if you're dealing with struggles, that your life in perspective could be way better 
than somebody else's. So you could be living somebody else's dream at any given moment and to be aware of that and to be in the moment of that and to embrace that things are good and okay and that you can be delighted to be here in the moment. So I, I currently am in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. <laughs> so that's kind of dreamy. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's beautiful. To start us out kind of on the Star Wars line of questioning, do you remember sort of how and when you first got introduced to Star Wars? I remember that I was young and I remember that I was not old enough to see it in the theaters. Let's just go ahead and start there. This is a podcast and y'all can't see me. So <laughs> I am not old enough to have seen it in the theater. But I think probably my my first true in igniting of interest was when they were re-released in the theaters. I did go and see all of them when they were re-released. Did you start, did you go in order? Like, did you start with A New Hope or did you start somewhere else? Sure did. Sure okay. did. Started with New Hope, watched all th uh, three come out and, and that, that's sort of how I got reconnected. I couldn't tell you what year that was though. Was that? I believe the re-release was 1997. Oh, okay. So high school. All right. Oh, okay. So I, I got into Star Wars. It's in the, in the, the sort of prologue episode of this. I talk about getting into Star Wars actually through the ride at Disney when I was like a little kid, like more elementary school age. So I'm wondering as a high schooler, like what was sort of the impact Star Wars had on you at that age? Because I guess I imagine like there's, there's more of a pressure to be cool, quote unquote, in high school. So like, getting into sort of this famous bit of nerd culture for the first time at that age? Like, what was that like? I was never cool. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, was, I was never, ever, ever cool. I was the person who was in percussion in middle school band relegated to playing xylophone. You know, you weren't cool enough to play snare. So I was like, oh, well, I played piano growing up. So this was certainly natural to me. So um, I have never been the cool kid through grade school. Your recitation at the beginning of this recording, wherever it's going to air, um, truly was impactful in to setting up my mindset for this because I was watching A New Hope last night just to sort of be fresh on everything. And watching it through the lens of queerness truly changed how I viewed it versus when I was in high school watching it. So that was just like, oh, cool, lightsabers, zoo, zoo, zoo. you know, I, I don't think that there was any themes that I was picking up at that point, other than this is cool. I don't know what that says about me, but I was this nerd world that everybody has, has sort of lumped Star Wars in, I thought was cool. So I guess that's the all about perspective. So yeah, you had mentioned during Soundcheck that you were just watching A New Hope last night with sort of this queer lens in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I did the same thing. I watched it earlier today. And yeah, like this one, I think in particular, especially, you know, obviously because it's first, there was so much that... I think even if I hadn't been looking for it, that really kind of took my breath away in how much some of the the themes meant to me mm -hmm. as a queer viewer. So I'm wondering, what did you notice this time around? The desire to be independent mm. was so um, so present, so so tangible, because that was the case when I was in high school. 
and in, in middle school and in elementary school because my boy name is Clay and I have been called gay Clay ever since first grade when they taught rhyming. And the my biggest issue with grade school was that whatever cool status you were in first grade, <laughs> that was going to be your status for the next 12 years of your life. Yep, I remember that. Because I was the person going, oh, look at all those kids in, in if I was in sixth grade, in, in seventh grade, all those, all those new people, I'm so excited. My little South Carolina brain, 49th in the nation in education, thank God for Mississippi, uh, <laughs> did not comprehend until well into high school, it seemed, that, oh, when I grade up, everybody else grades up too. So you're stuck with the same people, with the same label for 12 years, because folks that were in middle, elementary, and high school basically all just followed each other. And that was really, really difficult, especially being Southern Baptist, being gay and not being out. And when could I get out? How could I find out more about my culture? And going out there and finding out what the brave new world is, that just rings so true watching that last night, just going, come on, let's go. <laughs> I, I, I want to be in control of my own destiny. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I think there's, again... I think Luke Skywalker speaks to so, I mean, obviously so many kinds of people, you know, there's a reason that this series is like, is as iconic and transcendent as it is, but I will never not, especially just, you know, as, as that beautiful John Williams score plays looking mm. out at the two sons, that's such a pure heart moment that so many of us have experienced in just feeling stuck and seeing this, potential on the horizon that we just it's it's a little blurred around the edges we can't quite make it out and we just know we want to be there because it's got to be better than this yeah and and it's com it's complicated in the fact that i know that my upbringing was complex because i had a loving family they were encouraging they were they were they were wonderful in all aspects except for one and in the Luke scenario, you you you've got somebody who, for all intents and purposes, is, is decently happy with the the family aspect of it. It's just that his job and it wants something different. You know, he he wants to go and do something different or and find different different social settings, not leave necessarily the people who he loves. And, mm. and that's challenging, especially if the thing that you want to go and do is not approved of by the folks that are, are raising you. That's a fascinating point. I, I saw something really beautiful. Obviously, I'm a huge nerd. I, I was on Tumblr the other day. And it was specifically kind of giving a shout out to Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru for like, Luke's Luke Skywalker, who so easily and not not easily in any tangible sense, but who so easily, I think, within his heart and within his spirit falls into hero dumb because he believes in doing the right thing. For all that he is a Skywalker, he is raised by the Lars family. So obviously, there's there's a place these values came from that aren't just the innate Skywalker in his blood. There's also the nurture aspect of, mm -hmm. of his being. And it was just a post calling out like, I don't think Owen and Baru get enough credit. So that's a really fascinating point that how do we battle when 
when the foundation, when the when sort of the the family structure, when when you have, you know, I think good friends, I think for a lot of queer kids also, you know, having a good teacher, someone who's looking out for you at school can mean so much. Oh, yes. Shout out to every English teacher I've ever had. Oh, thank <laughs> you, Miss Williams. Lisa Williams. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, so Miss Williams. Thank I you, Miss Buchanan. <laughs> you know, we've all got fact, one. We're, fun <laughs> fact: we're uh, we're actually very good friends now because fun. It, it's just fascinating that teachers aren't always that much older than you. You just think that they are. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, you're you're like six years older than me? This is weird. <laughs> My middle school drama teacher and I became very close and we were at a theater together and realized that we were both drinking like a Guinness at the same time. And she looked at me and said like, okay, you can't call me Miss Marlin anymore. We're both drinking Guinness. You have to call me by my name. And I was like, okay, that's a fair distinction. I can do that. That it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And we are grateful for those folks in our lives. And what you said about the, the, uh, the, the nurture side of things is, is really true. I, when you come out of the closet, I feel like there are four responses. There's the as long as you're happy response. Mm -hmm. There's the, especially from parents. There's the um, let's go shopping. The get the hell out of my house. And then the fourth one, which is sort of what I experienced, was the we love you so much. We don't want this lifestyle for you. And that's really complicated because you have a a positive experience growing up because I mean, my friends were my family growing up because I didn't have friends in public school. They were, they were very limited, few far between. So I love my family and I'm, I'm grateful that they are still in my life today through some bumps in the road, but that still doesn't mean that you don't need to walk on your own two feet and figure out who you are. Um, when I was in a, a senior, my uh, graduation, I was asked to sing and I swear to you, that was the first time that 97% of this class knew who I was. Because at rehearsal, all of a sudden, I just see these heads turning going, who's singing? And there's a song, It was called, it's called Homeward Bound. Not the Homeward Bound, I wish I was. Not that one, but a different one. And it basically is a song that says, let me go and chase my dreams and I'll return to you somehow. And I just love that. It's this let let someone you love go because that entrenchment of love is not going to separate you. It's going to be with you it, in a way. I, I mean, to, to mention the force, it's more powerful when they're not there anymore. You know, it, there's, there's something that's, that's stronger when there's a bond that um, isn't easily as accessible in person. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, if you will. That's gorgeous. And I just, I really resonate with that, how complicated it is when I think a family member, specifically a parent's love for you translates into maybe a fear about what your life will be like as a queer person. I actually mm. came out much later in life and I only recently have been speaking to my parents about being trans mm -hmm. and my mom was listened to me and was so was so kind and so generous, but she confessed, I think she's afraid that I'll be lonely because I think it's not something she understands yet, doesn't know that it's a vaster world than just me. And I'm not putting myself in this position where I'm like the only one of my kind, because maybe I'm the only person she knows right now. 
<laughs> I'm um, the only gay in the village. Um, I mean, yes, it's just me. It's just, it's just me. Yes, the unknown. Um, I did a TED talk about how stereotypes, uh, assumptions, fears, and expectations are the four things that will get in the way of your relationships. The and fear is so powerful in in those four. But I like the fact that it spells safe. And oftentimes we try to stay safe. That I mean, we're we're taught that stop, drop, and roll, uh, lock the doors. Everything is programmed to stay safe, stay safe, stay safe. And what you do when you stay safe is you remove any opportunity for you to experience something different, taste something new, or know that some other way of thinking exists or change your mind or be afraid in a positive way. So yeah, the the education is the sword. Education and information is the number one way that we can remove stigmas and and reduce fear what that's oh man i love that sorry i feel like everything you say is just beautiful and all i say is that's beautiful and i feel very boring but <laughs> we're gonna get a t-shirt that's, we're gonna get... <laughs> that's beautiful that's beautiful <laughs> it's just me crying like like it's the opening credits all the time star wars makes me cry and made me gay so here we are well um, my, story, my opening was uh in spanish so <laughs> I was like, oh no did i click the wrong button the the the, the uh the disney app is does is just looking at my location right now. And so, oh, really? That's interesting. And so it automatically loaded it up as subtitles were in, in Spanish. And I said, well, I'll just have to, I'll reread that later. <laughs> Let me ask you, just because I feel like New Hope has really gotten us onto this, this lovely thread of, you know, if, if isolation and lack of knowledge and lack of exposure is part of what keeps us afraid, what was sort of your first, you know, to be a total geek here for a minute, what was your first sort of lightsaber of, of knowledge that sort of helped you in your gay Jedi mission? Oh, goodness. Um, That's a huge question that I know I just sprung on so you, so huge. I apologize. It, it's so huge. Um I I think entertainment is that sword. Uh, it, it's the I think Leslie Jordan talks about how the only way that he survived grade school is because he could make the bullies laugh. And uh, I, I talk a lot about my grandma being basically Truvy from Steel Magnolias. She was a um, a hairstylist uh, working out of a converted carport in, in South Carolina. You know, so it was. I learned how to entertain by watching her style hair because she would talk and gossip and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what gay is going to be like. I didn't know that. But looking back, I'm going, ah, it all makes sense. <laughs> um, but I, I, I guess I, I loved the fact that the, the, through the LGBTQ community, that I didn't know what that was yet. I saw people with personalities. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think personality is that invisible lightsaber, you know, it, it, that only presents itself when it's turned on, you know, it, it's there. It's, it's, 
it's intangible, but all of a sudden when you feel its presence, it, it's there and you can walk into the room and if you can make somebody laugh or, or, um, or, or cry or, or, or cause emotion, I think all actors know this, um, it, it's, it's, it's addictive, but it's um, how I knew that I was going to be okay. I knew that I was going to be okay when I saw elders in my community reading each other for filth, and <laughs> you know, and then and then the the drag sisterhood, and um, and when I when I discovered that, um, because entertainment has always been there. My my very first CD that I ever bought was Bette Midler's Divine Madness. Perfect. It's an incredible album to this very day, but very, very gay. Like just gayness, just gayness, even though she's not, she's definitely the gay icon. And, you know, so music and entertainment were the, I, I think that answers your question. <laughs> I, no, that was beautiful. Thank you. And I love specifically, I, I don't think I had really, I don't think that image had occurred to me about the lightsaber and it's, it's, it's so simple. And so there, but the idea of like, it is literally a light in the darkness and that that is our ultimate power is the ability again, within sort of this absence of knowledge or connection or whatever you want to call it, that there is this possibility to create light. And therefore, again, maybe connection is, as I think, the word that's swirling around for me um, because another new, uh, another theme really of star Wars in general, but I mean, a new hope arguably I think does it better than all of them. Um, the, the found family theme and presence I judge is so strong um, within this franchise. Mm -hmm. And that was something that really struck me rewatching today. And I was wondering if, if, if that, happened for you at all in your viewing last night anything about friendship or found family or chosen family if any of that occurred to you oh absolutely i mean we all remember meeting our first uh c3po i mean <laughs> come on drama mama i was just watching it going oh this is just a a trope <laughs> just this is a gay trope right here nice. that's, just, that's just so painful but we're going, oh, but I know her. <laughs> <laughs> but I know her. But, but I know her. I can tell you three of them right now. <laughs> um, but in, uh, to, to piggyback off what we just left off with the lightsaber, that we spend as, 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 as the queer community so much of our life in the darkness. And, and I, I think folks are spending less and less of it as it becomes more uh, mainstream accessible and, and understood. But I spent so long in the closet, in the darkness, keeping uh, that little light of mine. I'm going to let it. No, I'm not. I'm going to hide it under the bushel because I don't want anybody else to know. And the, so when you it, turn on that lightsaber, you are doing something very brave in that moment. You are letting other people know who you are and, and that can be scary and, and that can, 
be brave. It can bring on negativity from people who do not like who you have just announced that you are. But if you don't turn on the light, other people who like the light or who are also running around with their own lightsabers aren't going to find you. There, 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 you, you've got to turn on the light. You've got to have the lighthouse moment where people can find you and you can find others. Visibility is just so important for our community. That is why I think pride exists. I, I, I've always had a long uh, standing issue with the term pride because I'm like, well, pride comes before the fall. And I was like, yeah, that's why we have the festivals in summer. <laughs> Um, but the fact that it, it that for some reason it's ego driven, and I don't and I disagree. I disagree with that to a certain extent. I, I think that pride is a is a is about visibility and and showing of numbers and letting folks know that there are others like them and turning on that light. I mean, it, it's just like. Uh, all I can see at a pride festival is in uh, uh, Harry Potter, all the wands go up with the lights at the, at the lights at the, the tip of the wand, right. you know, that kind of unity and brightness that invites folks to say, Oh, I'm not alone in this, but in, in so many ways, you've got to be able to turn your own lightsaber on in the too. So it's, it, that chosen family comes from that. Sidebar, if this is if this is all this podcast ever is, I have almost cried like four times while you were just speaking. So um, thank you for making my whole life come true. All I want to do is talk about gayness in Star Wars, and this is making me so happy. So <laughs> just a quick sidebar that I'm like vibrating out of my skin. I'm so delighted. And I'm, I'm delighted that it's you're contagious. Here. It's contagious. You know, my, the whole point of delighted to be here is to remind everybody to live in the moment, live a better life, love yourself and love each other. Those are the four principles of delighted to be here. And it is not something that is mine. It is, it exists to be shared. And, um, uh, and if that is happening right now, I am just uh, leaping out of my skin too. Oh, we're just a couple of, couple of, Gay, happy skeletons running around without our skin on. <laughs> Spooky episode. Um, yeah, and I something that I just want to offer because to to go back to something you said a little earlier about you know our our elders, and I think a lot of the times it's easy to think that 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 light can only go one way. That we're always inspired by the generation before us, and that's always where we're seeking that visibility. Mm -hmm. um, I had a sort of opposite situation wherein I was so confronted by queerness within the students that I teach, um, and just I things that I I had just always because I hadn't taken the time to, to see what they meant to me or, or I, I just had no idea that I mm -hmm. wasn't living as authentically as I could be. And I was watching these, these teenage kids just be these open, authentic badasses mm -hmm. and so good, like teaching them and loving them and wanting them to get to live in a world where the adults they cared about 
were as authentic and honest as they were really inspired me to be like, Hey bud, we're not, we're not being totally honest. So you, you know, do it for them. But of course that turned into doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's, it's fascinating. I think that it's not just this linear progression of, you know, again, to go back to a Star Wars, Star Wars parlance, like we're not only inspired by the masters and those who have come before us, but we can also look to those who are coming up behind us to inspire us and to show us what maybe we haven't seen before. I think what's so, what all I can visualize right now is that it's not before or after, but beside. Oh, beautiful. It's the fact that the the folks that are beside us that are older are coexisting with us. And then the and, and the folks that are younger are coexisting with us, and we're able to to learn from each other. There was a meme that went around um, uh, last year, I think. It, you know, the 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 year that may not be named, um, and it, it said, uh, "If you are o- over forty, who is your millennial mentor?" Mm. And uh, and it said, "Not mentee." mentor. And I loved that. I loved that so very much. The fact that we will become better and stronger when our arms reach out in both directions. And uh, that is just something that I, I see the youth today, just like you, like you were just saying, just being there, uh, being themselves. And and uh, just wishing that I could have been, and then also recognizing that there are so many ways that I'm still not being myself now. It, it's it's kind of like, woo, don't get all like melancholy of the past when you still got some work to do on yourself right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's awe-inspiring. It is absolutely awe-inspiring, and then I see so many, the fact that that LGBTQ youth are the highest rate of homelessness in in youth is heart-wrenching. Um, I do a, a fundraiser every year for Thrive Youth Center in San Antonio, Texas, and um, they are just an incredible organization that you know reaches out to to the the youth that are homeless and the queer community. And um, up until I think two years ago when one opened in Dallas, the nearest one was Ohio, I think. So it's kind of baffling that, and and not shocking all at the same time, that our our youth are so disproportionately uh, affected by homelessness and yet are the most underserved in, in so many ways um, that I, I think it's important that, you know, we, we support them um, in so many different ways. I mean, whether it's being that English teacher or whether it's through fundraising or just general visibility of, of queerness at, at, at the bylo, you know, I mean, you, 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 don't know who is watching at any given moment. And um, that's how we can support each other is just being ourselves. Yeah. I, again, I just feel like I going back to our new logo. That's beautiful is 
because <laughs> it really is. And it makes me think of, um, I, I feel like this is, is related. I, I feel like something else we get from star Wars and from a new hope, not just in Luke, but I also think in Han Solo's story is that it's not too late that there's no. not a specific timeline wherein we have to get to our true selves. And that feels that always feels like a really important thing to me when I consider the the youth I interact with to feel like, you know, sweetheart, we're just all on our own wacky timeline trying to be okay. And if you're not ready to be here yet, it there's no cutoff date for this. You know, you it's not this party that we're all going to leave you behind and go to a second location. Like the party's always going, get here when you feel comfy. Mm-hmm. And I, and again, I feel like, and because I'm I'm going back to, you know, if we consider the Star Wars prequels, there's sort of the understood truth that like, oh, you know, Jedi are, are discovered when they're born, basically. And so you start this path as a very, very small child, whereas Luke is much older when we see him being trained in A New Hope. And again, similarly, when we meet Han Solo, he is not the Han Solo that we end with at the end of the trilogy in terms of his journey and truly becoming a rebel and a leader. So that's just something else I'd like to offer. If we, if we do have any uh, young listeners today that it's just, it's not too late. We're here when you're ready. Oh, absolutely. And if there are some folks of a certain age that are listening right now, it's not too late. You know, Um, I saw a story come across my feed of a, was a 97 year old person who came out as trans. And I, I was just like, you, you just weep, you just weep that it, that it would take that long for somebody to be able to be publicly themselves. But how beautiful it is when they are able to. And when I talk to folks about coming out of the closet, I can say, well, whether it takes 10 minutes or 10 years for someone to accept you, at some point you've got to start the clock, Mm. you know, and, and um, unfortunately a lot of times that clock is started by situations that you didn't plan, you know, the, you were either outed or, or something tragic happened. Um, I mean, here we have Luke losing his aunt and uncle. You, you, you want to say, oh, well, this person's just been a hero from the word go. I don't think that everybody is just that gung-ho. They know what they're going to do. I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be president one day. You know, um, I, I don't know if everybody has that. I, I, cer- I certainly don't. You know, I don't have a five-year plan. I'm an entertainer. I just, <laughs> 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 you know, I don't, I, I don't have, we go. they don't make lashes in 401k. Um, I just got my 301s. Um, <laughs> that is a very nice joke right there. Um, but uh, you, you see Luke take up the mantle when there was all, I mean, you, you could argue that he became a hero when he had nothing else, you know, and, and that and that's kind of like, Oh well, he had nothing else to do, so I'm gonna go be a hero now. Or you know, or and and I just I, I challenge folks to see the writing on the wall and act on it. Like feel the force and act on the force before you're forced to 
to, to, to do it, you know? Um, because I think there's a certain blessing that comes in that ability of acknowledging and taking the reins of your life that exists. But there are just some times where things just are these monumental moments. My life changed because I got a DUI and, I, and I'm sober because of that moment. Um, did I know that I was an alcoholic before then? You bet your sweet bippy. But did I act on it? No, it took some catalyst that was horrifying, scary, and and and, uh, and punishing. Um, for you know, I'm like, here I am getting handcuffed for a DUI, and I'm hearing the DSE ray, it, da 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 da, just playing in the background, going, oh, this is the moment. Okay, got it. All right, thanks. Um, and by the way, I, I love that they have the DSE ray. John Williams. Oh, so the the there's a, that four note medley uh, melody that is played um, when you see the aunt and uncle pass, which is almost in every death that you ever see. It's a, it's a 13th century classical piece that just is incorporated in almost <laughs> every pop culture death reference. So I just love that little moment. But Ooh. you just never know what's going to be the catalyst for you to be yourself, to, to set you free. Delighted. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell our listening audience at home where they can find you on social media? Well, thank you very much for asking, Danny. I can be found at I'm delighted to be here.com. You can also find me on social media platforms at Queen Delighted, at Queen Delighted, um, on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook and YouTube and uh, Venmo and Grinder and, <laughs> and all the rest. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a good thing to stay in touch and hope everybody will follow and say hello. All right, y'all. So this thing is officially happening. This has been Star Wars Made Me Gay. My name is Daniel Hurd. May the force be with you. From the Make Mom Proud Project, this is Star Wars Made Me Gay. I'm your host, Daniel Hurd. This podcast is produced by Daniel Hurd and Jacob McKee in conjunction with Jake West and Ding Dang Studios. Edited by Jacob McKee. Associate produced by Austin Jeter. Original music by Brady Dunn. Cover art by Joshua Hudson. Special thanks to Maddie and Peter Lopinto. Star Wars is the exclusive property of Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company.